Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Belle. Belle, man, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty fantastic. I'm a belly full of some delicious food and ready to talk some Flash. Yes, sir. Well, hey, I, I think I need to address this. You know, I, I try to think about the fact that Every single episode is somebody's first episode, and uh, if you are tuning in, you should know I don't normally sound like this. What, uh, like Barry White? Yeah, no, I, I've, I've, I, I, thank you, thank you. I prefer Barry White. Honestly, <laughs> I, I've, I've been sounding something like if if Savitar was wearing a Darth Vader mask. That's about what my <laughs> my voice has sounded like lately. Uh, but now I've been, uh, man, I've been fighting off the crud, man. It's been it's been rough. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes the crud gets you, and sometimes you get the crud. And that's definitely the case right now. So, uh, pardon, pardon my lack of voice and uh, and my craziness as uh, we power through tonight. But uh, one way or the other, excited to be here. Excited to be talking about a great episode of The Flash uh, with you, my friend. So, hey, without further ado, let's jump into it. The rundown. The rundown. Episode six of season four. When Harry met Harry. Directed by Brent Crow Crow Crowell. 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 And story by. Jonathan Butler and Gabriel Garza. All right, Bell, what happened this episode? Barry continues to train Ralph to use his abilities, with Cisco making Ralph a new suit that can stretch as far as he can while retaining its shape. Another metahuman from the bus named Mina Chayton begins attacking Central City, specifically stealing pieces of black bison jewelry with her abilities of being able to bring statues to life, including a statue of a saber-toothed tiger. When Barry and Ralph catch up to her, she dazes Barry with a caveman statue and attempts a getaway. Ralph chooses to stop her with damage being caused to power lines, landing a little girl in the hospital. Ralph feels remorse for his actions, but is comforted by Barry. Chayton escapes CCPD, going after the last black bison necklace held at the museum. Barry and Ralph confront her, with Chayton claiming the jewelry belonged to her family. She subsequently brings a dinosaur skeleton to life, with Ralph detaining it to protect the security guard. Barry tricks Chayton by throwing a china bowl into the air, exploiting Chayton's respect for history, allowing him to arrest her. Ralph reveals he gave the black bison jewelry back to Chayton's family before visiting the little girl in the hospital, using his abilities to entertain her. Meanwhile, in an attempt to make friends, Wells brings several different versions of himself from different Earths to Earth-1. The Council of Wells proves problematic but eventually manages to figure out that DeVoe is a man named Clifford DeVoe. Barry and Joe head to his residence to find that Clifford DeVoe is an elderly man in a wheelchair. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, so let, let's start off by talking about kind of our title character here. Uh, Harry has put together the Council of Wells. Now, you know, in preparation for this episode and at your request, Belle, I went and watched Rick and Morty. Uh, thank you, by the way, for turning me on to that. Right. And great show, huh? I got to tell you. So it got me really hyped for the whole Council of Rick and everything and, and them kind of doing a, a play here. But when it came to the Council of Wells, I was, first of all, I mean, you know, hats off to Tom Cavanaugh. The dude has right. range like like nobody else. And like, he's a funny, funny guy. So this was just a, a great excuse for him to put on 
a lot of different characters. Would have loved to see a, a Captain Bubblebeard <laughs> reference maybe in here, and maybe we'll get a Wells that's a Captain Bubblebeard at some point. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Scrubs. But uh, but man, it, it was I was a little almost somewhat off-putting that literally every single Wells was so extremely different from our Harry, or at least Earth 2's Harry, so much so that they all had varying accents. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of how they're differentiating themselves from... I mean, because that's that's how they've done it, I guess, since the get go. Right. Like every Wells that they had come in was pretty much just extremely different with the exception of uh, of H.R., because uh, like Harry and H.R. are kind of similar. Their they're, they're, they're eccentricities are different, but they're like, well, yeah, they're, they're the same nationality, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it did kind of make me wonder on various Earths like like I got the, you know, uh, uh, Wells 2.0, which loved the name. Yeah, that was great but, but so in the post-apocalyptic world we're also like like the like the australians took over the planet prior to the robots <laughs> like why was he an aussie i'm just assuming that you know uh, anytime you have a movie that's set or a, a universe that's set in a post-apocalyptic area that it's going to be you know one of several types of dystopias right and of course one very common dystopia is your uh, roadrunner, or not roadrunner, uh, your Mad Max uh, right. style dystopia, which of course takes place in Australia. So I think that's where they're going with that. Ah, okay, that made sense. I was wondering if maybe like the AI that like he filled up his brain with was like from some sort of like you know uh, Australian AI type deal. But the thing is, they all had they all had different accents. They were all you know from from varying nationalities, which was kind of interesting. And I mean, to some extent, that was fine. It, it plays into the goofy nature of of this season overall like it fits into the tone of it and uh you know and i really did i I enjoyed these extremely different takes although i think they were so different that it didn't come off to me as varying versions of wells it came off more of varying versions of tom cavanagh you know what i mean (laughs) or or like an alternate uh, universe version of um uh oh gosh what's his name why is it escaping me at this moment all right all right all right oh right 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 yeah yeah clearly the uh the hugh hefner wells was very much inspired by uh <laughs> um oh gosh you're, make, you're making me forget his name but i may mean, be, be a lot cooler if we remembered it uh, yeah you remember my name be a lot cooler if you did <laughs> <laughs> the, the chat the chat can help us out on this guys who, who are we thinking of here why can I not remember this guy's name? He uh, lives in Austin. Yeah, and I can't do the other thing too is I can't do voices right now. Like I can't do any kind of accents with my. Well, no, you can. It's just every accent you do is that person with the cold. Yeah, right, right. That 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 works out pretty well. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes. So of course, uh, of course, we do get the council of wells. So yeah, so I mean, like maybe that's really just just for me. Like it, it was a little bit kind of took me out of it because I did feel like we were seeing various versions of Tom Cavanaugh versus Wells. The other part of that, too, is that, you know, when we first got introduced to, you know, quote unquote, Wells in the form of Eobard Thawne, that was a very serious character. You know what I mean? Like, like he was he was always very, very serious. He was always on point. Even even Harry, to some extent, uh, you know, the the quote, true Harrison Wells was a very serious character as well. So which kind of made HR such a departure. And I liked that we got kind of, you know, almost like a tee up for this episode with you know, the um, what was the device that they used to track down all the or see who all the Harrison Wells were from across the multiverse last season? I don't remember. Um, we got like Cowboy Wells and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, that was that was season two, wasn't it? Not season three. Uh, I thought it was the beginning of season three. Harry was looking for a replacement. I think you're right. Well, I, I don't remember ha- what they called it. I mean, it may have happened at the very tail end of season two. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Thank you, man. Apart. Yeah. How do I re- he shares a name with me. Yeah, live chat looking out for us, man. Apart, thank you so much for that. You got you to appreciate the delay in <laughs> us talking. <in> <laughs> right, <Live laughs> that just chat. makes it more fun. Matthew McConaughey, he's hilarious. Everything he says is a stitch. Um. Anyway, so yes, so uh, so one way or the other, man. Here, uh, Council of Wells. Overall, what we what were your impressions? Uh, you know, I liked it because you know I I'm a fan of Rick and Morty. I love the whole Council of Ricks aspect and the fact that there's infinite universes means there's infinite versions of Wells. And so of course they're going to pick the most like you know extraneous and like ridiculous uh, uh, Wellses to go in there. So I, I thought that was kind of neat. And plus you know it's a character uh, growing moment for Harry. Uh, you know Cisco's little heart to heart with him, telling him you know no one's going to love you unless you can love yourself. And uh, you know so maybe we'll see some growth in Harry. Uh, he'll be a little bit more of a uh, uh, Maybe not like a warmer character, but just, you know, a, a better person overall. And so, I yeah, I liked it. I, I'd love to see more Wells's coming in. Uh, that was one thing that I really loved about season two. 
I think it was season two. Uh, yeah. Camilla in the chat says it was season two. Yeah, all right, fair enough. I think that was. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I will say this. I, I'd like to see some padding out, though. Let, let's get some more Wells's in, but make them a little bit closer to Harrison Wells. You know what I mean? Or, or, or to, you know, Harry. Um, well, but I mean, like with an infinite universe, why would you pick the one that's kind of similar to you as opposed to like, ooh, that's uh, a good point. you know, Matthew McConaughey Wells and uh, uh, Wells 2.0. Wells 2.0. And it, 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 it was definitely like. It was definitely. Um, was it H.R. Giger that they were going for or was it um, uh, Andy of, Warhol? Oh, see, I, I also got a little bit. I mean, not not in terms of like the, the tone and the way that he was acting, but based on his dress and everything, I kind of got a little bit of Steve Jobs in there. Well, yeah, the, the the dress definitely was Steve Jobs, but I think it was supposed to be Andy Warhol. Okay, fair enough. But that's that's the thing, right? So so good point. Having such a diverse group of Wellses gives varying per- perspectives on the problem. So I I got you on that. I I get you on that. Um, although, like I said, you know, you turned me on to Rick and Morty, man. So now I kind of want to see a uh, you know, more more uh, specific representation of a lot of different Wellses out there. By the way, you know, we we talked about it at the beginning of the season for uh, patrons at the end of this season. Uh, we're going to give a uh, a special print uh, of your artwork, and I was thinking, what if what do you think about doing like a parody, which which is Cisco and Wells, but in the style of of Rick and Morty? Can I can I do pickle <laughs> pickle pickle Harry? I haven't gotten a pickle. I haven't gotten oh, a pickle gotten, Rick yet. What, what about tiny? Have you gotten a tiny Rick? I got yet? a tiny Rick. Yeah, but no. You, you need to do true. You need to do. You need to do kind of like a you know one for one. You don't want to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll totally. I think that'd be hilarious. That would yeah. be great because I even thought about the way that, that Wells was treating uh, Cisco, and I was like, oh, bye, Morty. You've been kicked yeah. out of the room. <laughs> I, I saw it. All right, so so of course that was kind of the, uh, the the title, but not necessarily the meat and potatoes of this particular episode. I mean, after all, you know this this episode really did see a very climactic moment in the life of Ralph as he is stepping further into his hero role. Cisco has equipped him with a suit. Your suit can stretch as far as you can, you know, like with the whole uh, <laughs> stretchy nature of it. Uh, did kind of remind me of Edma Mode when she was giving Elastigirl her uh, her costume. Oh yeah 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 yeah, I can see that. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it looks terrible. And I've, I've got to tell you, man, I'm a bit surprised. I don't know if this was kind of like a, you know, some cast and shade from Cisco to even set him up with this. Because typically when Cisco decks somebody out, he decks them out. I don't know if Cisco really appreciates Dibney at this point. I think he thinks he's a scumbag still and he doesn't really like him. So he just kind of still a scumbag. I mean, uh, uh, no, no. And, and I'll talk about this in a minute. But uh, I, I think that Cisco, it was a rush job and he didn't really care about it. I think. Once Cisco warms up to Dibney and Dibney uh, embraces his hero role a little bit more, that we'll see more of uh, uh, Cisco decking him out and making him a cool suit. Yeah, you know, so you're right, and we let, let, let's go ahead and talk about Ralph because that's the thing. He did have a major, uh, you know, major come to Barry moment in in this episode, and that you know there is kind of this debate over what's more important, catching the bad guy or protecting the people. Uh, and so you know, I, I liked kind of the philosophical debate that was going on and. Uh, uh, we got some great moments between the two repetitively where constantly, uh, you know, Dibney was being like he was he was kind of up to bat to actually be the true hero and to have to live with the consequences. And and man, the situation with the little girl was 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 heart wrenching. And it did. You know, I, I bought it. I did buy that a dirtbag like Ralph could have this kind of moment of clarity by dealing with the fact that, yeah, this, this girl got seriously injured and potentially like, you know, well, I mean, we know now she's fine, but, but potentially in a, in a very serious life altering way uh, that would really kind of, like I say, give him that moment of clarity. I, I bought it. You know, I, I was kind of disappointed with the extent of how they did the injury. Like I, I, I when I saw it happen, I thought they're, they're not going to kill this girl because I think that would be too much of an emotional devastation thing. But I thought it was going to be a thing where she was going to make a full recovery, but it was still like a life threatening sort of situation. And because I mean, like she, she, she had a hairline fracture on her leg. Dibney being the guy that he was like, I didn't think something that insignificant. Yeah, sure. It's a hospital stay and everything. And he still feels bad. But like, I figured if they up the ante on whatever that injury was, that sort of click in his brain would make a little bit more sense to me from where his character was at that point. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah so like when, when the doc, when the, you know, the nurse comes out, she's like, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. It's just a hairline. But she could have died. I was like, N- no, not with a hairline fracture. Well, that's no, like, no, that's not. It's not. She could have died from a hairline fracture. If It's, it's if but, the thing but, fell in a different way. 
But, but right. But that's kind of like saying, you know, when you when you step on the edge of a step and you catch yourself because you almost slipped, like I almost died. No, you didn't. Uh, yeah. almost, almost dying is like, you know, you're you're bleeding out and you're, you know, your heart's stopping and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like almost dying is not slipping in the shower and catching yourself. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I see what you're saying, but for the for the sake of the story, I definitely got where it's coming from. And I yeah, like, like yeah. I said, I like that it impacted him the way it does. Now, uh, Gunnar in the chat is actually making mention of something that I kind of want to talk about a little bit here. And, and I'll let you go first in this kind of is Ralph a dirtbag? You know, I gave Ralph a really hard time last week. A really hard time last week, and and you you were you know you you were kind of we we had a good back and forth there. I thought, but um, do you want to make your case for why Ralph is not a dirtbag? Uh, yeah, he's not a dirtbag because uh, in my eyes, what happened was is this is the situation, right? Dibby knows this guy did it. Maybe he, uh, maybe it's a gut feeling. Maybe it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you have uh, uh, mafisimo type dudes who are just they're 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 Teflon, nothing sticks on them, right? But you know they do these things that they're getting pulled in for. And so Dibney made a choice at that point. He can say, okay, well I can let this guy slide, or I can fake evidence and like compromise my ethics to get a murderer behind jail. And so that's what he did. Is he compromised his ethics to do that because. Barry found out about it. He lost his job. And the I, I think what it was is the realization that like compromising his ethics cost him everything is what at that point he was saying, well, you know what? Screw ethics. I'm just I'm I'm, I'm in a bad spot and I'm just going to embrace this because, uh, uh, you know. What good did being a good cop do me? I couldn't get this guy behind jail. So I, I went dirty for one split second, one little time to put a bad guy, a real bad guy behind jail, uh, behind bars. And I got, you know, burnt for it. And so I think what it was is it was just a, you know, a, a downward depression spiral or whatever that led him to lead that life. And now he's trying to work his way back up because I think at heart, Dibney's not a bad guy. It's just, he made, he made a bad choice for the right reason. And he was penalized for it and suffered for it. And that caused him to go that route. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Good on you. And and from that standpoint, I have no problem with the story. I'm talking about the fact that he's a sexist pig, man. Like, like even and and what what I was re- referencing before in terms of the chat, Gunnar points out like you know having him call out like the the specific like Caitlin's measurements and like the ladies' measurements, everything seems out of place given especially uh, the current climate. And I mean, you know, we don't talk on this show about what goes on behind the scenes of the show. You know, we, we generally don't talk about like, you know, other than kind of calling out who makes the show at the beginning of each episode, we don't go into kind of the behind the scenes of so-and-so lost their job and so-and-so has been promoted to such and such or anything of that nature. But as, as like this was going down, I was like, huh, I wonder if certain very high end producers were somewhat of the inspiration for this particular take on this character. I mean, you know, again, I don't want to dive too deep into that, but it does seem, uh, tone deaf to some extent to portray yeah. this character in such a way, given everything that's going on in our current climate. And on top of that, uh, and, and on top of that, you know, in relation to the production of this exact show and those involved. Yeah. And, and, and you're right about that, but you got to understand that these, these were filmed months ago before all these things kind of came out. And uh, I, I think the difference here is that, yeah, he's a, he's a misogynist, but I don't think he's a sexual predator. And I think I think there there is a distinction there. Yeah, he's yeah. a jerk. Well, okay, but but, but okay. But I, I, I don't though, think he would. A Kreisberg has not been has not been uh, labeled as a as a sexual predator. I mean, that's not that's not what I'm saying. Um, but but I think that the whole you know in terms of being kind of uh, creating an uncomfortable work environment, so to speak, and being uh, sexually inappropriate or, or or in terms of you know harassment, not well, yeah, necessarily. But, but harassment and and. Uh, Predator like implies aggression or assault, but I don't think Kreisberg has been a- accused of any kind of assault from that standpoint. Uh, I mean, again, we're we're arguing semantics with terminology. Point being that there there is, you know, I didn't like the character last week, and I was even and like then this thing with Kreisberg came out, and I'm like, oh man, you know, it almost feels like I don't know, I in it uh in a, like I don't I don't like the character anyway, and on top of it, it just seems like in poor taste. Hopefully, this this change to this week was going to be a, a pretty strict about case for uh, for Ralph because I have not enjoyed this interpretation of the character one way or the other. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, they I'm sure they did all this months ago. And so 
in the current climate, they probably wouldn't have written him that way. Um, and I hope to, because like I don't know, I I I see the good in the character, and that's kind of where I'm the standpoint that I'm coming from. Nah, but, but see, you know, this is what I'm saying though, and just 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 hear me out on this. Regardless of the fact that like the current climate is like what is in the the public zeitgeist, right? Like what are we talking about as a as a culture right now? I mean, there's there's the added like there's the added like attention to that, and I mean, you can do some editing to cut some things here and there last minute. I mean. Gosh, we hear about television shows all the time making changes, like literally like days before the their broadcast. So I mean, like it's it's possible from that standpoint. But the reality is, man, that like like before again before the whole Kreisberg thing comes out, like this, I just don't like this take on characters. I don't like the idea. Oh, he's a hero, but he's also like misogynist. Like it, it's it's more. And again, not trying to be political here, but it is it it is more of an indication of kind of a systemic issue within uh, Hollywood storytelling as a whole. Who's telling the stories and and who wants to make the heroes what they are? But one way or the other, uh, like I said, this this might be a huge turn in, in Ralph's character. It seems like it. It felt like it. Um, also, we got a pretty big bromance between Ralph and Barry going on. Yeah, yeah. Barry's like, "I'll heal your heart." <laughs> no, it's I'm like, oh, like, it's like, oh. <laughs> Okay, it's like man, see, and that's, these that's dudes the bonded thing. really quick. Sorry, Wally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barry got a new sidekick, <laughs> and, and that's the thing that kind of irritates me about uh, Ralph's uh, misogyny is that nobody calls him out on it. Like it'd be one thing that they made. They made it's like, did you just say her measurements like in the hypnosis thing? And it's like it, nobody seems to be like, dude, you shouldn't act like that. You shouldn't behave like that. It, even regardless, like you said, of the of the of the climate as it is right now, like someone should talk to him about that. Uh, because, you know, when you're going to work on a team like that with female, you know, uh, teammates, it's like that's not that's not how you operate. And I think Barry. Yeah, just- that, I guess that's my whole point. It was my whole point last week, too, is that that like, you know, if you put Oliver in that situation, it might be a different reaction. But who you've established Barry to be like to just kind of roll with it doesn't make sense. Barry's kind of the the true like, you know, the true hero, you know, like he is more of a uh you know lawful maybe not lawful good but but a a i don't know somewhere between a lawful good and a neutral good. i don't know where the where he falls on the spectrum he's chaotic good i mean he does whatever is he i would see done. i would consider oliver more of the chaotic good from that standpoint is there what do you, what do you call that that whole D type setup uh character alignment character alignment i'm sure there's been a dc tv character alignment somewhere Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll find that and do some some, uh, some digging. Um, okay, so so overall, we've got, uh, you know, a, a pretty satisfying team up between the two. Uh, like I said, there there is something about this kind of bromance budding for them that I, I wish we had seen with Wally. Uh, and, and I mean, but at the same time, it works uh, in terms of introducing a new hero and, and them tag team, teaming it up, regardless of the ridiculousness of that costume. Oh, yeah, right. I liked that they also got a chance to fight a uh, a giant skeletal T-Rex. That was kind of neat. And I love the Jurassic Park references. That was awesome as well. <laughs> uh, you know, so so you know, the this this power set that we got from uh, uh Bison uh was interesting. I'm now I'm not familiar with the character of Black Bison from the from the comics. Um but, nor am I. But I really kind of dig the power set. Barry mentioned that she has limitations in terms of what exactly she can activate. Uh, do you recall what that limitation was? Was it like she had to touch it or have a piece of it or, or what was the deal? No, I think it is. She, she, from the looks of the episode, she could control it like mentally telepathically kind of thing, but it had to be a, uh, like an actual animal or, or, or humanoid kind of thing. Like she, if it was a, you know, an abstract art sculpture or something like that, she couldn't turn that to life. It had to be, yeah, it had to be a creature from nature. Interesting. Okay. Black Bison, Native American supervillain, uh, enemy of Firestorm from the comics. Uh, and uh, and uh, traditionally, or at least in the comics, has been a male. So they kind of uh, switched, switched that up for the show. They've done that before. Um, yeah. Okay. So interesting. I, I, I got to tell you, it's a cool power set, but it is definitely one of those that you have to kind of do some reaching. Uh, I think that's been reaching. Ah, uh, that has been something of a theme with a lot of these uh a lot of these villains that um you know have been uh permeating throughout the season is a lot of their superpowers have been kind of out there and not just your traditional like oh i make fire oh i make ice oh you know this that and the other it's no i make you know statues slash you know humanoid animaloid uh uh things come to life like that's a really 
weird, specific, but also not specific. Because we're talking stone, we're talking bone, we're talking armor. Like, it's all over the place, man. Yeah, right? Like, it's... <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of funny. They, you know, they, they are reaching for uh, for characters this season. Uh, and it's, you know, like, like uh, luck probability and the Kilgore thing, like, that was... <laughs> I, I, I still don't like Kilgore. I thought his power was just dumb. Oh, you know, it's it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. And, and, and Kilgore, I mean, like, you know, he, I, all of these characters have been characters from the comics, but they have all been very deep cuts. Like a lot of like most of these characters have been, you know, those that have not been in, in kind of the public eye for some time and definitely not necessarily, you know, long term reoccur- reoccurring characters. And so it's it's interesting that at this stage in the game. Uh, the thinker is is really thinking hard to kind of figure out who he wants to pull in to throw at Team Flash. Um, you know, I, I want to make mention too that uh, we got kind of a throw a throwaway line from Caitlin about uh, Killer Frost going to Burning Man. Yeah, right. So you know we're, we're maintaining, which is kind of interesting because last episode we saw uh, her transition back and forth pretty seamlessly. And I thought that was kind of like the beginning of acknowledgement that the two are the same person in terms of just kind of different parts of the same consciousness. But she seems to be referring to Killer Frost still as, you know, uh, as this this Tyler Burden-esque uh, persona. Well, but they, they, they established that when Caitlin's asleep, Killer Frost is awake. So, yeah, but that's the way it was prior to last episode. Like, that's the thing. I thought that last episode was kind of about her and frost starting to become more one and the same uh, but i mean I, I could have misinterpreted that no 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 i i think that's where they're going with it but uh i, I don't i didn't see, i mean i don't know i don't recall them explicitly kind of showing how that changed i guess because she did she did just change into killer frost and do uh, yeah i don't know well the other know. thing is that caitlin is is she's carrying herself very differently this season than she has she in, is yeah and like like she's very much like she used to be a little bit more you know, I, I've used conservative. For, well, yeah, kind of timid and and a little bit more reserved. And and now she's just she's very much part of the team and kind of throwing her scientific weight around, which she absolutely should. And so it's it's you know it's interesting seeing how Killer Frost has affected Caitlyn. And I don't necessarily even mind the whole you know Tyler Durden type of way that they're telling the character. It is a little bit of an adjustment, but but you know one that I can kind of I can kind of dig and it almost adds like this whole extra extra team member to the team without having to cast somebody new you know what I mean yeah yeah like her her mentality has changed and the, the way she presents herself has changed the way she uh, handles herself on the team has changed and I don't know if that's like you were saying if that's just a, a reflection of Killer Frost and Caitlin becoming a singular personality or if that's just a result of better writing <laughs> you know for yeah, her character could be uh, could, could, be. could could be both you know we don't we don't know but uh I, yeah e- either way i like i like the direction they're taking her and and, and you're right it is, is it is kind of like a fresh new character on the show without having to have a uh a new actor or actress it's good man um iris and joe they had kind of one little like off-screen side mission which they, they took care of came back said we did it we found the guy and then yeah. <laughs> it all it all leads up honestly to you know this big moment of okay now we found DeVoe. Barry has this whole thought process that is like you know all of my supervillains in the past were always one step ahead of me and not just because they were speedsters. You know they they knew things that I did not. If you think about uh you know if you think about um uh Savitar, of course this is a Barry with future knowledge and personal emotional knowledge. If you think about uh, Eobard, that is a speedster with future knowledge who's literally been creating the very timeline that they exist on. If you think about uh, Zoom, this is somebody who was actively playing a participant on their team. So very much kind of on the inside. So from Barry's perspective, uh, not knowing that, of course, the samurai head is right there in the, you know, in the office He's thinking they finally have the up on a villain. This is finally somebody that they can actually go after without having to, you know, play their game. Like, let's make the villain play our game. Or that's totally what Barry is thinking. So they all suit up. They they go hardcore. They're ready to go in and, and catch the bad guy until domestic bliss strikes again. So that's <laughs> going to bring us to this week's... Speedster speculation. Uh, what's uh, what's uh, what's what what's going on here, man? Uh, they like they they married like for real or like you know just 
what, 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 well, what's up with that? So, so here's another question that I have before going into the marriage bit was you, you mentioned the samurai head being yeah. in the office. Yeah, yeah. Is so, so here's my question. Did, did, did thinker know they were coming to visit him based on the info he was getting from the samurai head or based on a calculation that he had made Ooh. that yes, there's one possibility that they will figure out who I am and I'm expecting them because of all these things that have happened. We're in that eventuality. And so I know that they're going to come and visit. Maybe a bit of both, right? Like, so from the beginning yeah. of the episode, uh, you know, the engineer even says like, you know, this, why, why would you create, why would you create the situation where, you know, team flash is actually going to fi- or figure out who we are? He's like, yeah, no, I got this. It's, it's fine. But I think maybe the samurai head was to let him know when it was going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay. He knew it was okay yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So, okay. But, but again, so we got, you know, again, d- domestic bliss, right? So it seems as though the engineer and the thinker are actually married and, you know, we get him rolling out in a wheelchair, was not surprised or shocked by that at all. Almost kind of saw that coming, right? That he was yeah. in a meal- wheelchair. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was totally predictable, hundred percent. Um, but they are not married at all, and this is all a charade. Yeah. What what is this? What does this uh series have against the uh, otherly abled man? Like, why is the bad guy always the one in the wheelchair? I mean, I think that's progressive, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but no, for real though. Like, how could you be married to that guy? Any argument? Like, they tried to have an argument at the beginning of the episode, which is like, I think this is dumb, and he's like, well. The only the the, the the answer is that I win and I always win. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's like there's 7000 possibilities. This is argument can go. Whatever you're going to say doesn't matter. I'm going to win. And she keeps arguing for a second. And she's like, all right, whatever you win. Like, <laughs> that's that why be- that's why the marriage counselor has been introduced and keeps on being reoccurring. <laughs> that's what it's going to be, Mel. It's going to be the final episode. They're going to take the two to the marriage counselor and she's going to fix it. That's going to be the final. Oh, my battle. gosh. It's going to be hilarious. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're, they're going to get them together. The marriage counselor is going to like hypnotize him and convince him to listen to her and to stop being a jerk. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that would be You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's that's some that's the kind of speedster speculation you can only get on Flash TV talk. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, no, all right. So so I don't know. I go back and forth on this. Like on the one hand, maybe they are married and they just have a really, really terrible relationship, or maybe it is just a cover. I you know, I, I still kind of wonder I, the, their their dynamic has been so difficult to read from the get-go. I mean, we we talked about it before, like you know, is she some sort of like henchman or is he actually kind of stuck with her because he can't operate whatever his situation is without her? I mean, again, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, her, her alias is the engineer. So the, the concept is that she is like managing all this tech that seems to be either powered by him or that is powering him. Yeah. Well, I honestly did not know what her moniker was. I, I, I still didn't know until you said it was the engineer. I, I think that's right. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's what it's been labeled at in, in like episode descriptions and kind of official material. But you're right. They haven't actually named her by name. Honestly, the two haven't really been discussing one another. In fact, DeVoe hasn't been named anything other than DeVoe. Cisco's got to take a look at that, uh, that thinking apparatus before he'll be able to officially name him the thinker. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it is interesting. So we now have officially seen him out of the Mobius chair for, for a lack of knowing what else to call it. Do you think that that, I mean, like, I guess I was kind of operating under the assumption that it was almost like the early Iron Man armor. Like he had to have it on at all times. Otherwise he was going to die, but that does not seem to be the case. Well, I think, I think the guy in the chair and the guy, well, the, the thinker and Clifford DeVoe, I don't know if they're two separate entities or what, but like, I don't think he sat there and he got out of the chair and like, you know, applied hair and makeup and stuff like that and got rid of the scars on his face and all those things. I don't think he did that. I think this is some elaborate ruse somehow. It's just maybe the thinker is, uh, I don't know if he's going to be outside time or something like that. And this is a version of himself that's before the chair, but still knows a bunch of stuff. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to me that this dude who looks so different and has this, you know, like you, like you said, these integrated systems, which I think I agree are kind of like keeping him alive or something like that for him to now just be a guy in a wheelchair. It just doesn't make sense to me. Hmm. Uh, Camilla in the chat is suggesting that perhaps the thinkers from the future, you know, I, so that's I, what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I go based off the, again, it looks like the Mobius chair, the Mobius chair gives control over kind of time and space and future knowledge. And so I, I don't know that he's from the future per se, but the idea that perhaps he could be pulling from the, <sighs> 
And I say that. The other thing too is that the first mention that we got of DeVoe was specifically from uh, Abracadabra. And of course, Abracadabra is a villain from the future. So, I mean, there's definitely some sort of future thing at play here. Although I do so get the sense that like DeVoe, his power set has to do about reading potential eventualities, right? Like you said earlier. It's less about the fact that he knows exactly what's going to happen and more about the fact that he's like doing the calculations. Yeah, he, he understands every eventuality and every inevitability uh, based on any action that happens. Uh, so, yeah, like I, I'm starting to think that maybe it's one of those things where Barry goes to go meet Clifford DeVoe. And the next episode looks like, you know, there's going to be some kind of like, you know, beef between them and some sort of, uh, uh, you know, problem going on. And so I'm saying I'm thinking that maybe this guy is really smart. Clifford DeVoe is really smart. And the rivalry between Barry and Clifford DeVoe that happens right now, which Barry is instigating by going to go visit him as opposed to waiting it out, is what creates the thinker in the future that we see in the chair. Nah, but see, isn't that isn't that Savitar? You know what I mean? Like like the whole the it's, whole idea with DeVoe is that we're trying to do something different from what's come before. And I feel like that is like straight up just Savitar. I mean, it is, but it's it's with a different person. It's not Barry influencing himself. It's Barry influencing somebody else. Ah, uh, yeah, but it's still it's still the whole time loop. You know, um, I, I don't know. I it, you could be right. It, it, that could be the case. I I don't know. I think that he's some kind of meta. I don't know what his play is. They really haven't given us much to go off of him. I think that next episode, based on the previews and everything, is probably going to be our first chance to get a a feel for who DeVoe is and and what he's all about. Well, what about this? What if, you know, like in the Matrix when, uh, you know, you're on the ship, it's, you know, grimy and dirty and gritty. Then they plug you into the Matrix and like they have like example for uh, Mm. uh, at Zion, you had the people in the white room who are controlling the docks at Zion, you know, so so they're actually in Zion, which is gross. But when they get plugged into the Matrix, they have these, uh, you know, synthetically created areas and whatnot. And uh, maybe maybe the thinker room is something like that maybe that's a place where he goes in his mind and that's why he looks like that and that's why he has to well because he's come out of it with the chair before we've seen him in the chair outside yeah, so that's so, yeah, I don't know. that's exactly right i you know but I, I do like the idea what if you know uh devoe and the thinker are two separate entities like you said like what if maybe he's controlling like a life model well that's that's marvel but what, what if he's controlling some sort of robot Right. Like what if what if the guy that's walking around as DeVoe is actually like a controlled robot or a controlled hologram? Although I don't think we've seen the hologram thing happen on the inside on inside. Like it's all satellite based. So that's all from like this guy. I don't yeah. know, man. But I, I like the idea that perhaps. Uh, this guy we see rolling around in the wheelchair might not actually be. You know, maybe maybe, maybe he's in two places at, at the same time from that standpoint. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, I it doesn't he, make a lot of tiny sense to me. Do, do what? He's tiny Rick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's tiny DeVoe. It's tiny. That's DeVoe. what it is. No, the, the, the guy in the wheelchair, it's it's like in men in black, the little tiny alien guy in the head. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a little tiny thinker in the head and he's able to make himself bigger <laughs> and smaller at will. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I don't think that's very fair to will, but sure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> All right. Interesting. All right. So overall, uh, are they, here's the question. Are they married? Yes or no? There's. All of what we've seen, we've only seen them be happy like that once. Everything else that we've seen, it seems like an antagonistic, but uh, a lot of necessary like relationship, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a, there's a lot of marriages like that. Yeah, that is true. That is true. It's like an antagonistic involuntary relationship that is required by both of them. I don't know. So I, I don't think they're married. I think they have some sort of other, other kind of, uh, not bond per se, but they're connected in some other way. I'm going to go with that. They are married, but they have a terrible relationship just because I, I, and I, I think. Yeah, I, that's what I'm going to go with, but I, but we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Chad Rook and you are listening to flash TV talk. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. All right, man, we got some listener feedback. Uh, this actually, this comes in from Lauren. It was actually in relation to last week's episode, but I wanted to make sure we got it, we got it in here. So uh, what did Lauren have to say? Hey guys, another week, another really fun episode. I really enjoyed seeing the friendship between Caitlin and Iris. I especially liked that they referenced the fact that the two women haven't really talked outside of work and it made their friendship seem more organic. Uh, I also really liked uh, Amunet 
Oh yeah, yeah, Amy, yeah, Amy Nip Black. Uh, Katie Sackhoff was clearly trying to have a lot of fun, and it showed. I hope we see more from her soon. Overall, super fun episode. I agree. I liked Amunet. I thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, Katie Sackhoff, she's always she's always great. And, uh, you know, just just that's going to be an interesting villain that I'm hoping we're going to see more of in the future. Yeah, man. We also got on uh, Twitter. Dane Dane DM says that uh, everything about this episode was, oh, my gosh, so cute. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, this this episode overall has been or this season overall really has been very much a, a, a different tone, but not like so different. You know what I mean? Like it's still very much in, in pace with everything that's come before it, but this has, it's, it's been fun, man. It's been upbeat. It, it, it kind of does pull a lot of kind of the, the, the brightest moments from season one, from that standpoint. Um, although, you know, it, it has up until maybe next episode lacked some of the seriousness. So I'm hoping that perhaps next episode, we, we're kind of diving a little bit more into uh, the serious nature of it. You know, it, it's, it's DC. It's Detective Comics. Barry himself is is a great detective, one of the greatest detectives, right? So so seeing him kind of step more into this role of trying to unmask the villain Scooby-Doo style, I'm all for that, man. And I think this is kind of headed in the right direction uh, as we also build up to, uh, you know, what, what should be a very interesting and, and fun uh, crossover in, in the coming weeks uh, as we get closer to it. Man, we also got an iTunes review in from Rochester Computer Guy. What does is, what is Rochester have to say? All right. Uh, great podcast. Bo and Bell are amazing hosts. Very knowledgeable show. Uh, entertaining and great content overall. Even their other shows are great. Panel to Screen, Legends TV Talk. A weekly listen for me. You should listen too. Well, thanks, Rochester Computer Guy. Uh, that's Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you listen to our other stuff too because there's a lot of good shows out there all on the DCTVTalk.com. Absolutely. Check those out. And by the way, we hit a multiple of 10 on iTunes, so that means we'll be giving away a free digital comic. Uh, man, we got we to gotta pick out a winner. Are you ready for this? Uh, drum roll. Oh, let's do a drum roll. And the winner of the Flash TV Talk digital comic iTunes review giveaway is are you on the edge of your seat Can I am beyond the edge of my seat uh, so you have fallen off your seat I am floating in midair from anticipation the anticipation has caused you to levitate something you have been trying to do since our days in high school exactly all right and the winner is Sal R hey Sal R congratulations you've won yourself a free digital comic uh, information on how to claim your comic will be coming shortly uh, so yeah, just, uh, just reach out to us and we'll get you set up but uh, that too but yeah congratulations Sal R thank you so much for reviewing the show and if you've not done so already head over to iTunes review the show it's a great way to help support the show it's also a great way to help support the show through Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV talk uh, helps make this show happen every single week even when we are on death's doorstep but hey, we, we really appreciate those of y'all who are doing it. We also like to reward the patrons with some additional content. Shenanigans. We got a great shenanigans episode coming your way this week. You're not going to want to miss. Also, we've got a little something uh, extra for you this week as well. Now, this is just for everybody. Uh, we've also got uh, coming up next week, rather, an episode of Panel to Screen uh, reviewing Justice League. Now, Justice League comes out this weekend. Bell, I know that you know while you are a, a believer a fan of DC TV, um, you have not been vibing with the DC movie universe. Now, with the understanding that a lot of our listeners are like, like really digging this take on the DC cinematic universe, going into this movie, what are you most looking forward to? I'm most looking forward to Ezra Miller's Flash. Because uh, I've seen Wonder Woman, I've seen Batman, I, uh, I haven't seen Arthur Curry slash Aquaman, and I haven't seen Cyborg. But of those three, Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman, I'm most excited to see Ezra Miller's Flash because I, I, I like the Flash. I do a podcast called Flash TV Talk for crying out loud. So, uh, yeah, I, I just want to see that representation and check out Ezra Miller and see what see what he brings to the character. You know, uh, that's what yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to most. You know, it's interesting because since since the announcement of Ezra as, as Barry Allen, uh, the, you know, the movie versus Barry Allen. You know, we, we've had varying degrees of, of thought on that. I mean, kind of, I think the initial reaction was no, 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 no. You know? <laughs> but then like over time, it's like, nah, you know, I, okay, I get this. This is different. It's fine. You know, I, I, when I say the initial reaction was no for newer listeners in the early days of kind of the casting announcement, I was more of like, oh, okay, Bart Allen. This is interesting. They're actually going to do a Bart Allen in the Justice League movie. And then when it was announced that he was Barry, I was kind of confused because I was like, well, Ezra seems more of a Bart type of 
you know, the, the guy that you would cast for Bart. And part of that too is the age difference uh, and the way yeah. that they're kind of telling the story from a generational standpoint. Uh, but I'm with you, man. I, you know, I, I said before when we reviewed Batman versus Superman that one of the uh, one of the the highlight moments of that movie was Flash popping in and kind of injecting kind of some fun theory into the midst of you know what was otherwise for me anyway kind of a dull movie. And so you know I'm excited to actually see him expand out uh, expanded out in, in Justice League, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing how he does it as well. You know, even just the way that his lightning, you know, the speed force kind of coming off him is blue as opposed to yellow. Um, kind of cool and a nice differentiator between the two. I, I'm, I, I dig the costume. We've talked about that already. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's, he does with it. Same thing with Cyborg, man. Like, you know, I, I know that this is a very CGI Cyborg as, you know, one imagines that it would have to be uh, given just how much they are going full on. Um, you know, robot cyborg as opposed to kind of the original interpretation that had more of the uh, more human parts that you could actually see versus the robot parts. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those two uh, characters, the way they've been kind of sold in the trailers and everything. They, they do seem to breathe kind of some new life into the universe and I'm hopeful. And I think that's what you, what you want going into these movies is you, is you want to feel a little hopeful, right? Yeah, unfortunately, the only thing I'm hopeful for is Ezra Miller's performance. Like, I, I am, I am excited about that to see that, but it just, it just hasn't translated into excitement for the rest of the movie as, as a whole. Unfortunately, well, I'll tell you something that I am kind of excited about. Uh, one of the things that uh, you know, the with the video game Injustice Two, uh, what they mm-hmm. do is whenever one of these movies comes out, they they release movie versions of the costumes that you have to kind of uh, uh, fight for in in the multiverse. And yeah. so uh, they, they've got the flash out. Have you gotten your flash gear yet? No, I, I, I got to hop on and, uh, and, and it's just it's going to be so rough this weekend with this wedding and everything. So, yeah, man, well, you know, you put it put it in God mode and knock it out, knock it out quick. But um, oh, yeah, it's true. I've, I've gotten uh, three of the pieces, so I got two more to go. Um, and I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed, honestly, like the injustice flash gear. Uh, the gauntlets are not the biker gauntlets because like, you know, in the movie, he's got his fingers exposed. Yeah. Not so with the uh, with the injustice thing. Like I was actually yeah. kind of excited for those particular gauntlets, but no, he's, his fingers are covered. Huh. That's weird. I know how to feel about that. They also have the, the cyborg, the freaking cyborg injustice armor uh, for the movie version looks epic. And so I'm really excited to start grinding that out. But I'm, I got to get my last two pieces of flash first. Well, OK, so it, it's a multiverse thing, right? Yeah, so there's a there's an, in the multiverse there's like an Earth dedicated directly to Flash, and then one just popped up today that's de- dedicated directly to Cyborg, and as they did with Wonder Woman, uh, it's it's I think it's like a three or four day time time period, so it's it's longer than normal multiverse uh, worlds, and so anyway, there's there's plenty of time to get it. Uh, well, there's there's more time for Cyborg at this point than there is uh, Flash. I think you got two more days for Flash. Oh man, I'm probably not gonna be able to do it. Well, you got to do what you got to do, but, uh, but one way or the other, it, it's uh man, it's fun jumping back into that game and, and kind of seeing the the stuff they've got, you know, um, I'm, I'm running out of slots for, for flash. Cause I've got my Jay Garrett gear. I've got my reverse flash set up. I've got my flash God mode, which is just the super AI with all the best yeah. gear. Uh, and then I've also now I've, I'm putting together my justice league, uh, take on the characters. So anyway, really, really excited for it. By the way, one other one other little notes uh, in in kind of video game related content. Uh, this week, I saw for the first time that DC Universe Online has kind of a whole patch dedicated to Earth three. I don't know if this just came out or this is about to come out, but as soon as I saw it, I thought, "Oh man, they're doing Earth three and, and and this just shows you how much I've been like plugged into the TV version. I'm like, "Oh snap, we're gonna get you know." John Wesley's ship is the flash and we're going to get, <laughs> you know, weird take on, uh, you know, we're going to get the kind of blimps in the air and, and, you know, this advanced 90s accelerated man. Yeah. Well, no accelerated man is earth 19. Oh, that's true. Never mind. But I thought, you know, I was thinking that. And then I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, no, of course, earth three as in the comic book earth three with power man. And you know, the, the actual, like, you know, where the Ultraman and night owl. And- oh yeah. Ultraman, not power man. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's it's true to the comics, but it, it does kind of show you just how the television series has totally warped my view or, or warped my thinking around kind of the, the content that's come before. So anyway, <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, man. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week. I know it's been kind of a, a bit of a shorter episode, and uh, I appreciate that just because my, my my pipes, man, they're uh, they're still recovering. Got to save those money makers, man. Uh, look, I'm looking forward to next week. We've got we've got some big things happening. Some big, hopefully, some big reveals. Definitely more information about Devoe. We're building to a huge crossover the week of Thanksgiving, which is going to be incredible. Really looking forward to that as well. And so, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, be sure to keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us on Twitter at Flash TV Talk. You can also follow our personal accounts. I'm at the Real Bo York. You can also follow Bell at Ring That Bell. But if 280 characters is enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. Just doesn't have the same ring as it used to. But I know it doesn't, and I hate it. That's the way it is. For the latest news, daily discussions on more things Flash, be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. And as always, special thanks to Charlie Bach, who provides our outro music. You can listen to the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. And of course, we are a member of the DC TV Talk Network. For all the latest and greatest in DC TV podcasts, check out DCTVTalk.com. You got Supergirl TV Talk, iZombie over there. Man, oh, I want to say this so bad. I'll be able to think, say it officially next week. But there actually is a new TV Talk collab going on right now that's kind of outside of the DC universe, but something I'm really excited about. More information on that next week. But in the meantime, check out DCTVTalk.com for all of your favorite DC TV talking needs. And that's going to do it for us for this week. Until next week, we'll be back in a flash. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.